God is unsuspecting, always using the most unlikely people to both help us see and to give new good words. In this exchange, the young unsuspecting Samuel is sleeping. He hears someone calling his name, understandably so, thinks it's the elderly Eli in the other room, hops up twice and says, Eli, what do you want? You're calling me. You woke me up. Eli, finally understanding what's going on, says, oh, Samuel, that's not me calling you. That's God. Now, we must understand that Eli is not in the best favor of the Lord at the time of this exchange. The message that the Lord is about to give Samuel, in fact, is actually against Eli and his way of doing and being and ruling. The land was spiritually impoverished, we read. But as I said, God is tricky and unsuspecting. Because what happens here in 1 Samuel is that the one who is displeasing in the sight of the Lord, Eli, is actually the one who acts as a conduit to Samuel hearing the voice of the Lord. We use our holy text to enlighten the living of our days. So we must ask, who are the people in our lives who claim religious authority, but maybe with whom God is actually displeased? who are still acting as conduits to us hearing God's call. In the late 1970s, in an effort to prevent Carter from having a second term, a group of conservative, overly white, and male Christians wanted to remain in power. Imagine that. And they knew they needed to gain a monopoly on morality in order to do so, thus the formation of the religious right and the moral majority. But there wasn't much moral about this majority, especially not in their formation. It's a common myth that the religious right emerged as a political movement in response to Roe versus Wade, the court case that protected a woman's right to choose to have an abortion. That simply isn't true. The religious right actually organized around fighting to protect Christian schools from being desegregated. That's right. I said they organized around being racist. But at least at that time, they knew that outright claiming racism might be a little bit of a difficult sell. And thus, they deceivingly decided to use unborn babies as their rallying point. Everybody loves babies. Let's build a moral movement around telling people that we care about unborn babies. But I digress. Let's stick with the story at hand. A religious leader, Eli, tells a young emerging prophet to listen to and to answer God. Jerry Falwell, a religious leader, tells a whole bunch of folks to listen to and to answer God. Now here's where we can either get it right or get it really, really wrong. If we put too much worth in the earthly messenger and move ourselves away from the holy text and from prayer, we'll totally miss God's divine call. A whole lot of people to put too much worth in the earthly messenger of Jerry Falwell. And we see where that's gotten us today, 
We see the violence of white supremacy and patriarchy and the pro-life movement manipulating the religious right and voters for political gain. And we also see where we've gotten it right. We see Samuels and Samanthas, prophets and new leaders who can see through the muck of the messenger and of the deception and stay true to God's will. A political movement based on morality? Speak, Lord, we're listening. And we've responded with clear voices about what it means to be pro-life. That is caring about the entire spectrum of life and what it could look like to vote for values of justice and equality, to care about poor and low income people in this country, to denounce sexism, patriarchy, and white supremacy. If the so-called religious leaders we follow aren't doing that, then I encourage us to ask, is it God's will that we're living out? Or as AOC said this week, are politicians using an unrecognizable faith to pass and uphold oppressive laws? Yes, our holy scriptures tell us something about the living of these days. And this exchange, fraught with lessons on listening, call, responsiveness, discernment, our youth, is also a solid reminder that despite the carrier, God's will will not be corrupted because there will always be a Samuel deeply listening and because God will always come through. We need Samuels and Samanthas today. We need ears to be tuned in, to listen and to respond to God's call so that we might usher in new ways of being and living. We don't have it completely right yet. We're still fighting to denounce religious leaders who think they have a monopoly on morality. Messengers today who will say that they have to push forth that which they want to push forth, whatever they need to say in order to win votes, to grow a church, to keep whiteness in power. It's messy. We must be intentional to get through the clutter. We must be intentional about staying close to the heart of God so we can denounce those who speak contrary to that who we know God to be. This is an evolving process. We never arrive. White women, for example, fail time and time again to use what institutional power we have to level the playing field. We saw this just a few weeks ago when moderator Susan Page aligned herself with the patriarchy and with whiteness rather than with Senator Harris, another woman in the vice presidential debate. This is hard because in the short return, it may seem like the patriarchy rewards women who serve it. But threats always loom as demonstrated in the same week with kidnapping threats toward Governor Whitmer. White women are more likely to be harmed by white men than by anybody else. When we fail to listen and respond to what God is calling us to do and be, when we get manipulated by power, by false promises, by messengers, we are not living into what we might fully become. 
When we fail to listen to and to respond to what God is calling us to do and be, we fail to remember that we're all threatened and fighting against the same things. Economic inequality, whiteness, sexism, climate change, a global pandemic, unnamed grief, unspoken fears, the very need to be heard, valued, seen, and loved. Friends, God calls us for more. God wants more for all of us, for the unborn babies, for the born babies, for white women, for black women, for Hispanic children, for Asian grandparents, for trans people, for black men and white men. God calls us all for much more. And we can only know what she's calling us to if we can get beyond the noise and focus on the divine true voice. Stay in the word, stay in prayer. Notice that Samuel's response isn't just speak, Lord. It's a response combined with action. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Hmm. Listening is active prayer. Dr. King believed that activism prefaced by prayer can be the most effective. We've got work still to do, family. In the middle of this most important Supreme Court confirmation hearings and presidential election season, it is my prayer that we are people of deep, active listening so that we can brush through the sometimes flawed messengers, brush through the false promises of power and prestige, and so that we can glean wisdom and new ways forward that come straight from the heart of the divine. She uses all the ways to get through to us, all of us, even the most young among us. So speak, Lord. We're listening and we're organizing and we're praying and we're grieving and we're voting. Frederick Buechner says, go where your best prayers take you. Let's go. Amen.